Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hey, y'all. And Dave. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Keep going. Go ahead. Let's roll with it. So we start every week with good thing. All so right. Craig, what's your good thing this week? I'm going to be quick. Cadence of Hyrule was released. Is good. Is that the it Necrodancer Hyrule? Mar- Crypt like... of the Necrodancer married with Zelda. And I want to be married with is... Zelda. Hang on a second. Go back to married with Zelda. <laughs> this intrigues me. <laughs> okay, not not the character Zelda, but no. the franchise Legend of Zelda. Um, and of course, it has good music because Legend of Zelda already has good music. But it was done by the same people who uh, also worked on Crypt and ne- Necrodancer, like Danny B. And um, I'm drawing a blank. It's the guy who does the guitar and metal covers. Emily Jules. Yeah, him. Yes. Thank you. Um, anyway, uh, but it is a gameplay merging of the two games. Like, it's not just solely one. Uh, they <laughs> were able to effectively put them together, and that's pretty good. And it seems like it could be a quick game, uh, if you were to speedrun it, but in general, um, it, I mean, I've already sunken in, like, five hours since I picked it up, like, yesterday. Three hours. Oh, that's why it was late. Yes. Clearly, that's, that's what I did with my time. Yeah, pretty good. All right, so what's your good thing this week, Dave? My good thing is a fidget game, and I bought it three days ago and have about 20 hours in it, and Mike's been watching me play it on my stream. It's called Baba Is You. It's Mm. a puzzle game. At its core, it's block-pushing puzzles, but also the rules are text on the screen that also exist as blocks. So you can move the rules around and change the rules. And, you know, every object other than text itself doesn't have any properties unless there's text that defines it. So, like, you could have a wall, but unless wall is stop, you can walk through the wall. Uh, you have a flag, but unless flag is win, touching the flag doesn't do anything. So you manipulate the words and change the rules, and it even includes empty spaces and text itself as properties that you can modify. And, and you do things like making the wall is win or you is win. Yeah, so if, if something is you and that something is also win, then you win. But if nothing is you, then you just hear the blank void of space, and the music stops, and it's really chilly. Chillsome, chilling, <laughs> chilling. That's the word. Yeah, I was watching like Alucard play it, and I'm like, pretty neat puzzle game, and didn't mean to pick it up. I watched Alucard play it for five minutes. Said I must play this, therefore I must stop watching Alucard play it. So. Yeah. Thus is the conundrum of streaming a puzzle game. True. I uh, had decent viewership with it, but mostly, mostly people that have beaten it before. So my real good thing this week. Uh, is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, yeah. I went to go see it on Tuesday as part of my week off from work, which has been great. I did nothing. Um, But it is 
really, really good. The The monster fighting is huge and satisfying. Uh, the, the tone is still fairly dark, as, as it should be for a quasi-realistic giant monsters fight each other in cities. Um, but there, there is some more lightheartedness that wasn't present in the first two movies. Uh, those movies being the 2014 Godzilla and Kong Skull Island, uh, which combines to create a cinematic monsterverse. Uh, this will be followed up by Kong vs. Godzilla or Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm not 100% clear on the oh, title. They're really doing it. So they're going to play Rampage. They just need Giant Wolfman. Ralph. I mean, basically. Like, that was the whole point of Rampage in the first. <laughs> Um, anyway, so really, it's, this is George versus Lizzie. <laughs> it's it's a very entertaining movie. Uh, the best of the three so far to to my mind, anyway. Um, That's what I've been. Doing. I haven't seen <clears throat> the other two. I did see Godzilla: King of Monsters uh, less than a couple weeks ago, actually, and I agree. The monster fighting was really awesome, really satisfying. I just, I think that it would, didn't need to be two hours. I think, like, maybe cut out 20 minutes of the plot that nobody's paying attention to. Because, like, we didn't go to the movies to see humans. We went to see the monsters. And I'm also really disappointed because there's a scene that takes place in Fenway Park. And Madison, the little girl, doesn't make a green monster joke. And I thought that was, that was a gimme. That should have been in there. Yeah, come on, writers. So, anyway, yeah. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Mike doesn't know anything about baseball, it seems like. Mike sure doesn't. You know who else probably doesn't? There is a wall in the left field of Fenway Park where the Boston Red Sox play, and that wall is called the Green Monster. All you need to do is have Godzilla standing in left field and Madison looking out there saying, ah, my two favorite Green Monsters. How hard is that, guys? Come on. I'm... (laughs) Pretty sure there's another reason that wasn't included, which is that this movie was very much made for international audiences. And that's that's a very in line. Okay, then you set up the joke by showing an advertisement for the Green Monster. Their mascot is also called the Green Monster. So You just wanted the movie cut by 20 minutes. Now you're adding scenes. Calm down, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's important, though. I just wanted more Mothra. Mothra was adorable. Mothra was was pretty fantastic. There was... There was plenty of Mothra, though. It was good. Uh, so anyway, that's that's my good thing this week. Uh, Dave, you read some chapters. What what chapters were they, and what happened? I read chapters 26 through 29 of The Hero of Ages by Brandon Sanderson. And I'm going to go ahead and read off some bullet points for chapter 26. You guys ready? Okay. Yes. Chapter 26. Spook is still alive and feels pretty good. Spook is a summomancer. I thought you were going to stop it right there. One bullet point, and that's it. All right. Spook is a summomancer. He's not an allomancer. He's a summomancer. Spook at the bar. Pewter keeps you sober. Spook can be great. Quoth M. Kelsier. Spook won't run. Dern has been talking about Spook. Okay, so did I take out a line? Was this this chapter? Oh, I had another bullet point in here. It was supposed to say, Spook has a shoulder blade. That was this chapter, right? 
I mean, don't we all have shoulder blades? I guess I deleted it, but he has an actual shoulder blade, like a blade in his shoulder. I guess I I deleted that bullet point by mistake. Okay, so Spook also has a shoulder blade. He looks at it and notices it. Yeah, so it looks like uh, Spook's got a sword stuck in his shoulder, and he goes to pull it out, and Kelsier tells him... You know, it looks cool. Leave it in. And he's like, well, whatever. If if, if Kelsier tells me to leave the sword in, I, I'll do what he says. He gave me the power of pewter. And I think what's going on here, I went back and I read that chapter where Spook has a little tussle with the citizens guards. And there's at one point a guy gets stabbed through the heart and then the blade continues to go through him into Spook's chest or shoulder. And the blade breaks off. And that process seems a little familiar to me. I think uh, I think we had a little accidental hemorrhagy going on there during that fight. So there you have it. And the guy that was stabbed in the heart is explicitly stated to be a thug as well. So he, he burns pewter or burned pewter. Now he's dead. Or is he? I think he's dead. But anyway, now now Spook can burn Peter. He got he got the power through hemallergy. Pretty uh, pretty pretty nifty. And this is frightening. And here's why: the Steel Inquisitors are definitely using Farukami now, since powers are apparently passed on through the hemallergical process. You know that's that's the main deal of the Steel Inquisitors, and. We also know that they took all of the took all the terrorists, not all the terrorists, but all of the Farukamists from the land of terrorists. And we do recall back to that one Steel Inquisitor early on in the book who was moving as if with the speed of a steel mine. And yeah, there you have it. Steel Inquisitors confirmed using Farukami right now. That's yikes. Well, not confirmed. Speculated. It's confirmed. <laughs> this is how this is how hemallergy works. This is how how it's being set up. It's, and we already had we already had a nod toward a possibility of using the using the iron mine, or rather the steel mine. Yo, dude, what if you did? Oh, this would be really cool. So, what if you were filling an iron mine while steel pushing? You could push yourself really far because it would lower your weight, right? So, sure, like so the pushing match is always go based on your weight. So, if you're altering your weight by filling or tapping an iron mine, well, that's pretty useful when you have Farukami and Alamancy at the same time. All right, Dave, would you like to know the real reason why Kelsier? Is telling Spook not to take the the piercing out? Uh, maybe it's because <clears throat> Kelsier is actually ruined and he'll lose his influence over Spook if he removes his sword. Also, Spook would probably lose the ability to burn pewter as well and then just instantly die. No, no, no. The real reason is because chicks dig piercings. <laughs> right. Got him. I mean, Spook is all about the ladies. <laughs> he is. And there's even a line, I think, in... I know it's later on when Spook meets up with the guys in Chapter 29. And he's like, I begged Ellen to give me a title, and he wouldn't. And someone was like, yeah, but 
you just wanted a title so you could pick up chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Comes it's happens in twenty nine. All right, so from Spook's perspective, he is just a sumomancer. He doesn't know about hemallergy, so he's a sumomancer, not an allomancer. He he's not a mistborn that can burn everything. He can only burn tin and pewter. And you know, Ruin appears for, I believe Ruin appears as Kelsier to you know say, Oh, I granted you the power of burning pewter and Kelsier also said, oh, you, you could be great one day. You don't have to live in the shadow of your peers. So Spook's not going to run away. He's going he's gonna to get something done here in the town of Erto. And Spook goes to the bar to overhear some conversations. And apparently Dern has been talking about Spook. What Dern exactly knows about Spook, we don't know. And uh, Spook doesn't stay to listen. He just runs <laughs> he just pieces out because he he thinks that Dern is gonna spread some malinformation that's gonna turn against Spook. And that's the end of chapter twenty six. I thought I had something to say, but Shoulder Blade. Shoulder blade. Shoulder blade. But um big big that's what I took from that summary. Alright. Cool. Alright, keep going. Chapter twenty seven Vinfiltration of Fadrex. Slow Swift, the guy that set, wrote down on paper for Vin to meet. Yeoman rules by maintaining the familiar. Why does Vin have puffy cuffs on the cover art? There is a ball tonight at Keep Oriel Redenbacher. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that was a popcorn joke, I guess. Slow Swift sells information, not his soul. Hero of Ages. Kelsier is somewhat dead. Yeoman has mysterious sudden well. Vin react a little too strongly. Hoide is back. Or not. <laughs> Hoide, the sky informant. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Vin, I just wasn't expecting you to pronounce his name like that. Well, he's from Elantris originally, so that's how his name is said. Sure. We're going to have a whole conversation about that after you get done yeah. with this chapter summary. Well, I'm just curious if we should wait for Tori, though. Vin doesn't meet Hoide. Vin is being followed. Is that you, Mist Spirit? So Vin is infiltrating Fadric City. She's meeting up with an informant that Set, I think, wrote down on a piece of paper for her to meet. So who knows if this is even the guy. And his name is Slow Swift. Pretty cool name. I like it. And he talks about Yeoman, the obligator who is now running Fadric City. And he says that he keeps order basically by running everything the way it worked in the Final Empire, including throwing balls. And Yeoman actually attends every ball. And there's going to be one tonight at Keep Oriel. And Vin tries to get more info out of him, but, you know, Slow Swift is actually somewhat loyal to Yeoman and doesn't give away his weaknesses and things. And then Vin's like, Hey, I'm the hero of ages. I'm going to make the ash stop and turn the sun yellow again. Okay, so you better help me out. And Ho, not Ho, um, Slow Swift is like, Kelsier is somewhat dead. And I, it, it was kind of cheeky. Came off kind of cheeky when you said it. Like, oh, you're following Kelsier, but I hear he's somewhat dead. Like, ah, but what if? It's actually, he's only literally somewhat dead. There's a big difference between somewhat dead and all dead. 
It's true. I have heard that. Did we really reference Princess Bride before Star Trek or Dungeons and Dragons in this episode? And we beat Harry Potter. <laughs> Man, we haven't actually had a Harry Potter in a while. All right. And Yeoman apparently also has this mysterious sudden wealth. And Vin kind of perks up like and thinking like, oh, he's got an ATM stash. And, and uh, of course, Slow Swift, being the sharp informant that he is, realizes that Vin reacted a little too strongly to that and calls her out on it. So Vin has another informant to meet up with, Ho-Eyed, who is a ska informant. And I this is Brandon's named after Brandon Sanderson's publisher or something. This is no. the guy that's in like every book. Ho-Eyed is we'll we'll get to it. Just finish your chapter summary. We'll we'll swing back. Okay. But I'm pretty sure that this was a guy that Kelsier met up with in, or at least has the same name as a guy that Kelsier met up with back in Mistborn as, as the Scott informant. And Vin is back when he was not somewhat dead. Right. It was only somewhat, somewhat dead. So Vin is going to meet him and she gets this, she gets kind of like, she gets sort of out. Yeah. She gets, she gets Vinny. She's, gets in instinctively she gets like a bad a bad feeling about this meeting and she just kind of blows it off and goes away and vin doesn't meet hawaii and then vin realizes she's being followed and turns around and thinks she sees the mist spirit following around her and that's the end of chapter 27 okay it's time to talk about hoid wait wait we don't want to wait for tori no, we almost didn't wait for you. I know. That's disappointing. Well, go on. So let's we, let's we talk to talk. our Dave about Hoyd, because if you don't talk to your Dave about Hoyd, who will? <laughs> the internet, and you can't find out about this sort of thing on the internet. All right. So Hoyd is basically the Nick Fury of of these books. Like, uh, he, he frequently shows up, me. doesn't do much, but shows up and sort of ties it all together. If you see the name, it really is him. Like, it's not like someone else named after him or something. And it is not a common name, and he's not from Elantris. Who's the guy I'm thinking of? No, no, you're oh, no. He was in Elantris. He's not he from Elantris. But I thought Nick Fury was like, was just one character. But I guess he, he uh, I don't know. He has, he's in different timelines and stuff, I guess. He travels from place to place and shows up in almost every Cosmere work. Nick Fury. Yes. Okay. And by Nick Fury, I mean Hoyd. I see. So it sounds like the casting choice should be Samuel L. Jackson for Hoyd. Did you know, actually, so the artist or the author, whoever it was, actually went to Samuel L. Jackson and asked his permission to use his likeness to be the comic book character. And then they cast Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. So the comic book character likeness is based on Samuel L. Jackson first, and then Samuel L. Jackson is cast as Nick Fury in the MCU. So it wasn't the other way around, where he was already in... See, he pops up pretty early. I don't... Hang on, you're missing missing a couple of things. It's for the Ultimates universe in, in Marvel, in the comics, and he agreed to allow his likeness to be used if they would cast him in movies. So it works both ways. So they said yes, he said yes, and now he's in the movies. Which is pretty much perfect. 
But it started off with comic book artists going to Samuel L. Jackson and asking to use his likeness. Correct. So, so real quick, uh, on the summary, I know Dave can't read this, but I will point it out here. Uh, on the summary on Coppermine, it says, notes about this chapter. Notes, Hoyt appears in this chapter. Like, that's it. That's that's the notes for this chapter. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so the point is we notice him. He's pretty much in, like, every single main book. And he's just sort of there. He's, like, doing his, doing his thing. He's doing something. Got it. But he's not doing anything in this chapter because Vin... No, because Vin gets Vinny and stands in my So, anyway, this is, this is us bringing you into the loop on Hoyd. Um, just keep an eye out for him in in other things. Um, I, I thought he, you said you mentioned him before. I thought you said he was named after somebody IRL. Though. No. Uh, no, the person actually. I don't. There think are there... a lot of characters named after people in San Brandon's life. Like he he will do that, and one is named after his editor, I believe. Um, well, there's a lot of stuff in a lot of books named after Peter Alstrom. But I think the thing yep. you're conflating is that at the beginning of every book in the uh, in the acknowledgments, there's Peter Ulstrom described with a word that starts with the letter I. Indestructible. Indecipherable. Impossible. Incredible. Etc. So Demoe is actually named after a friend of Brandon Sanderson's. And I guess he said, hey, you're going to get a character named after you. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, he does this. That's the point. All right, chapter twenty-eight. Uh, sure. Was there anything else you wanted to add, Mike, about this? No, I think I'm think I'm good on Hoyd. Just keep an eye out for him in the future. Okay, chapter twenty-eight. Mist Spirit is probably on our side. Vin is the hero of ages. Vin needs Ellen's trust. Vin is Catgirl. Ellen will work on the numbers and not talk about them because, you know, ruin. Catgirl <laughs> wants to go to the ball of yarn. Oh, please. <laughs> All right. So chapter 28, we have a conversation between Vin and Ellen. And Ellen remembers getting stabbed by Miss Spirit, but it still wants to think about it logically. But yeah, he, he, in the end, he, he probably is helping us. He's probably on our side. And, you know, he says Vin's a hero of ages and Vin needs Ellen's trust. Uh, you know, they they can't really talk about everything because Ruin can hear what they say out loud, but they they say that he can't read their thoughts. I don't even know if that's true yet. Anyway, but Vin has said that and Marsh has said it, that Ruin can't read their thoughts. And Marsh has a lot of spikes in him, so hopefully he's right. So, yeah, this is going to be, this is the core of how they're going to defeat Ruin, by trusting one another and, you know, not giving away any excess information by talking about it, I guess. And Vin is Catgirl. I'll read you chapter this, page 256 in my publication here. Ellen smiled. Oh, come on. You have to admit that you're unusual, Vin. You're like some strange mixture of a noblewoman, a street urchin, and a cat. So, yeah, Ellen is into cat girls and married one. <laughs> yep. All right. And then they call back to 
this situation where Vin was figuring out the numbers for them for some reason, and Elinda's like, or, or Vin is like, I'll worry about saving the world. You worry about crunching the numbers. And, you know, she tries to play it off like, because, like, they don't want to talk about it because of, you know, ruin listening in. But really, it's just because Vin doesn't like math, I think, really. And Catgirl wants to go to the ball. So, Vin didn't bring a gown, though. And that's the end of chapter 28. That's chapter 28. Finish Chapter 28 finishes with Vin saying she can't go to the ball because she didn't bring a gown. And that's the last we're going to hear about that. I mean, yep. we've had pretty good descriptions of what she's been wearing lately, and she's right. You you just can't go to a ball dress like that. She can sneak into a ball, as in just... Be she in can the curl into a ball. She could curl into a ball. All right. Vin is also Samus. <laughs> so there's also some talk about how Vin... Didn't really see the Miss Spirit since the Miss started hating her. And, you know, Miss Spirit's probably mad at her for releasing Ruin. You can't really blame him. He just needed some time to himself. But he's back, so I hope they get to be good friends. And I guess I'll mention this before getting into Chapter 29. It doesn't really matter because it doesn't relate to 29 in any way, but I'm thinking of it. If Ruin can basically communicate like think about what ruin is doing with spook right now he can basically tell spook whatever he wants because he knows that spook will trust it coming from kelsier so why is is you know who else is he just controlling and just completely having them do whatever like maybe finn um probably a little bit finn but you know if he wants i don't really understand spook is Working against Ruin, so why doesn't he, you know, rat out Spook's whereabouts to the citizen somehow, either by some informant or whatever? Like, can't he, can't Ruin some way just tell Citizen, hey, Spook's here, go get him? Now, it could just be Ruin's MO is cause as much chaos as possible. So he thinks he can probably stir more up trouble by or stir up more trouble by having Spook be a pewter arm and go on a murderous rampage, which is kind of where he's leading him right now. I mean... But like, I guess my question is, what is Ruin's endgame? Does he even have one? Because if his endgame is just to destroy the world, then he should be doing whatever he can to, to stop Ellen and co. from reaching the cache. Sure. Um, All right. Uh, are written, I, wait, the caches are written in steel, but they've been talking about them, so Ruin would know about them. I, I will say that his MO really isn't his name. Like, yeah, there's a reason he's called Ruin. It's not. But his... I mean, he's he's on the cusp of ruining the entire world. You know, yeah. I I think that he should be working more toward that than on individual. Like, haha, I got spooked to act like a goof. Yeah, I'm going to refo the rest of it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I understand that his MO is ruined, but on what scale? And I guess if he completely eradicates life on Scadrille, then there won't be anything left for him. There won't be anything left for him to ruin if he wipes out all the life, I guess. So he he wants to keep it going so he can keep ruining it, I guess. Mm. Ruin has an endgame. The things he is doing make sense if you know more. 
Interesting. Okay. So I do have some questions. Oh, I guess. Well, I think it's a problem. Have, we have one more chapter, so. It's quick. It's just okay. a quick chat. Uh, since we brought up Rowan. I like, just mean, does it make more sense to bring it up now or after? Let's just, okay, real quick. So, you know, first book, we had the Lord Ruler was, you know, the big bad. And then the second book, we basically had, um, crap, I want to say Stannis. <laughs> Straff. But Straff, Straff wasn't really yeah, the big him. bad. The Kolos army was the big bad. Yeah, we had we had a weird like there was a bunch of little big bads and Zane and all the little people. big bads. Wasn't that little bads? Uh, wasn't that and, a and movie now apparently we got ruined. So so what do you think of no, it was another this kid. progression of villains that we've? Oh no, uh, I won't it was, even say villains. But it was Fred Savage. I'm thinking what villains? All of them. What what do you think of the progression we've had throughout the book as as we've continued on and it. it Basically, we went from the Lord Ruler to now we have this weird entity that's essentially like a god. Lord Ruler was essentially like a god. Like a god. Well, Ruin is more so. Right. Lord Ruin. Ruler was a dude god. He, he was a dude god. God of bros. if you will. I mean, he had godlike ability. He wasn't really a god. and he was He was temporarily a god, I suppose, when he had the Wells power. And man, he was about to fix everything. Well, so he says. But yeah, so so what, what well, do you I think? Do. Like, do you think the stakes are much higher? Like, do you feel like the stakes are much higher now? Um, you know, just, yes. just looking for your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, in the first book, they were they were battling oppression. Now they're battling cataclysm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And and the first book was sort of written as like an Ocean's Eleven type thing, like where it's like. We're gonna do a heist, and like they set all everything up, and that's sort of the design of it. Whereas in books two and three, they're not written with that sort of approach. It's very different. Yeah. And I recall early on in Mistborn complaining that the conflict didn't seem big enough. Yeah. But oh, it, I remember you saying that one. I mean, it progressed pretty well since that point. Because in mean, the very Mistborn beginning, was it had still slow cool. burn. Yeah, but it, ah, I get it. Like, like ten. Yep. So, so unlike a launch, where it's like we have to like, because one book it's self-contained, we got to sort of like get everything out there. With Mistborn, we can slow build it, and now you see like the stakes are much higher. I feel they're much higher than they were in Elantris. Chapter twenty. It was still essentially political. It was still we want to control this region. Like it was just that's what it was. Now we got Ruin, and he's up to something. Well, Elantris was a war. Mistborn yes. was oppression. Oh, the first <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought you meant Mistborn era. Mistborn, like no, Mistborn was Wrath of the Lich King, and Hero of Ages is Cataclysm, okay. and Mistborn is Mists of Pandaria. Sure. So there's a big dragon who's going around and wrecking Black all of the zero to sixty oh, areas and making them much much faster to level in. Yeah. What if you, like, clipped into Hydral and then logged out until Cataclysm came out? And then look at How do we talk about World of Warcraft during this pod? We really will talk about anything. Because you said Cataclysm. I, I, yes. That's, there you go. There's your linchpin. Is that the right word? All right. Yes. Chapter 29. Chapter 29. 
uh, in italics, in italics, farming techniques, Mike, Dave, the rest. Quellian is the hero of his own story. Spook is here. Spook is curiously strong. Underground lake. All right, so the italicized portion talks about how the Lord Roller had stifled technological advances, including farming, yeah, which is why, that? which is why the Ska farmers didn't understand irrigation, modern irrigation technique. I specifically remember having a conversation about that, yep. and I stand by my points. Okay, fine. I think I, I don't remember if I was in on that conversation. I remember starting the conversation. I didn't know if you guys took it to spoilers because of basically us learning this here, here and now in book three. But I just yeah, I remember you did in spoiler chat because I, I think I remember us like, hey, we'll we'll take this, you know, when Dave's not here. All right. So Quellian is a hero of his own story. Sezed, this uh, I think entire chapter is written from the perspective of Sezed, and. Sezed goes there to negotiate, and Quellian uh, doesn't attack Sezed because Sezed is a keeper. And Quellian is like, clever move, Ellen Venture, sending a keeper here, so I wouldn't outright kill your your ambassador. But he still sees still sees everything that Sezed is saying as a threat, and reluctantly allows Sezed and their their small little band of soldiers. Breeze is with them, Alrian is with them, and Gorodel. Uh you remember Gorodel, he was guarding the Lord Roller's palace on the night Vin killed the Lord Roller. <laughs> yeah, he keeps popping up. Yeah. So anyway, Gorodel Gorodel, Breeze, Alrian, Sezed are all here. And Quellian oh, agrees to let them stay in the city basically Basically, because I guess, but you know how sometimes Brian David Gilmore, Gilmore, you know, in the Unraveled videos has a little counter where he says, like, he says a word too many times. And so he starts a counter. Uh, that's me with the word. Basically, we need a basically counter. <laughs> All right. But Quillian knows that Sezed and Co will just sneak in anyway. So he, he allows them to stay out in the open. Or at least openly allows them to stay on whatever. And they meet up with Spook, and Spook shows them the Lord Ruler cache, and included with the Lord Ruler cache is an underground lake. And that's where they kept all the water. That's where Lord Ruler stashed the water for when Cataclysm happened. And that's the end of this week's chapters. So he can grind back up the endgame. Enders, Marvel, Wars. Sure. Avengers. Game. The third. Esquire. The Revenge. Meanwhile, Mike's like, this is great. This is the, the whole <laughs> thing. <Theodore> <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Sezed is now with the crew. I like that in that scene in X-Men First Class where they call up Logan and he's sitting at a bar and he's like, no, I don't want to be in your little superhero group. Yeah, that's it's not like, what he said. Was, well, yeah, he, he, <laughs> he might have dropped an f bomb or something, but it was great because you just know that that was a parallel to a real life scene where they were like, "Hey, Hugh Jackman, you want to be in this movie?" And Hugh Jackman's like, "No." 
But he gave him I, that I one scene. It was more of a, a, a little zing towards Marvel because it's sort of like they were starting to do their whole Marvel. I thought I, I read it as Hugh Jackman didn't really want to be Wolverine. And so he just gave him that one little scene where he basically tells him he doesn't want to be Wolverine. <laughs> and then he did five more movies as Wolverine. Got the muns, dude. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So good. Good reading. Uh, we got say Zed. Stuff is happening. We haven't right. seen Ten soon in a bit. That's a shame. Yeah. He got yeah the I figure we're due to check back in with him soon. He, All right. he he doesn't get like he's not like every other chapter or something. We, we we at least we don't really have the the whole format like we had in Elantris where it was like very much you have to follow this order. So you know characters will get a viewpoint when it's time for them to do stuff. Secret stuff. Yeah, sometimes secret stuff. Sometimes. All right, Dave, go away. Bye. <laughs> and uh, Dave's gone. Insert thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Spoiler time! Cool. Alright, so, uh, first off, on the topic of Kelsier being, let me pull up the quote... Uh, where Somewhat is it? Dead? Somewhat dead. There we go. Somewhat dead. Uh, yeah, we can we can finally check back in with him because he is now interacting with our main plot again. He is probably that misspirit that Vin chases, well, sees for a bit. And he was attempting to warn Vin off of uh, interacting with Hoyd because Kelsier had a bad interaction with Hoyd. Right. So, yeah, we can do regular Kelsier updates now. But I think it's a very brief thing because then Ruin starts acting like the, that miss, well, like the misborn of the pulses. So that way uh, he leads Vin off. Oh. Right. Kelsier, Kelsier gets to be that once and then Ruin is it. Uh, sorry. Um, I wanted to mention the earring thing, but I forgot. Hey, Dave. Yeah. Please don't do that again. All right. I heard. See you later. I'll talk about no, it no, next time. No, no, no. You say it real quick. Uh, it's the whole thing. <laughs> okay, Dave's gone again. He has got to not do that. Like, it's super-duper important that he anything. does not do that. I think he might have heard Vin. Like, the name Vin, and that's it. So, that's cool. Okay. So, where, where were we? Okay, so, yeah. So, that's Kelsier, and then it becomes Ruin, because Ruin messes with Kelsier. He's like, what do you think you're doing? Like, So, yeah, Kelsier. All right. And uh, I completely lost my train of thought. Dave that's all right. screwed me I up. Got, I got off. Um, so yeah, Dave totally on to what's going on with Spook and about hemallergy. Um, I think this is you know good. Of course, props to Brandon for actually putting the the information out there, so you're not like you you're not necessarily blindsided by this if you're paying attention, which of course Dave is doing, especially because it's so uh it's it's taking so long that he's actually able to devote time towards doing this. You guys got to stop blaming me. Get out of here, man. Anyway, um, no no one listening to this in the future be like, what are you talking about? Uh, so yeah, so Dave totally on the spook. 
what's happening with him. And I, I do like that he went back and actually reread how it happened because it very much is uh, the sword, which acts as the spike in this instant, goes through the heart of the thug, um, capital T thug, that is, into Spook's shoulder. So it's hemallergy. That's what it is. But I'm not sure if Dave has really seen that in the book yet. Like, like I don't know how much he actually knows of hemallergy. I mean, there's the whole intro to this book that walks you through creating an Inquisitor. Yes, it does. Um, but I think we're going to get more once human freaks out. I think we're going to get more information there. Um, it's it's going to come together, and, and, and Dave is clearly paying attention to it. He's picked up that the quote-unquote Kelsier that's talking in Spook's head really probably ruined, because he's doing ruining things. Now, now Dave is confused about why Ruin has let him do his thing, and just to reiterate for those of you that are chilling in spoilers and maybe sort of forgot, but want to know, Ruin's plan, Ruin's ultimate plan, of course, is the destruction of Scadriel. Fine. But he wants to find his body because he's still weaker than he needs to be. His body being Atium. Uh, and he wants he wants to know where the Atium is. So he's using Vin's group to basically track down. Well, and he's also doing it with the Inquisitor as well. Uh, but everyone's his tool. Like, in his perspective, everyone is a part of him anyway. So everyone's a tool. There's no need, like, one is better than the other. Like, he's just going to use people and do his thing. He's, he's looking for the Atium. Uh, Spook, he is using Spook to cause more destruction to the city because that's just what he does. And this will become more obvious as Spook starts doing his sort of rebellion type thing. And you start seeing what Kelsier really wants him to do, which, of course, Spook will remove the spike at that point. He's like, no, this isn't what I should be like. And so, it should be noted that the bulk of uh, of Ruin's power is focused on making the Ash Mounts way more active and uh, making the whole planet more tectonically unstable. Yes. He, he really is devoting a lot of time. Honestly, this whole political maneuvering and and the pseudo wars they have going on it's just sort of minor in his perspective he just wants his body and then good we can destroy the world we're done like that's it oh and and this is end game to your point uh regarding human uh humans reveal doesn't tell us more about how like the inquisitors use heme allergy uh that more reveals that there are other uses for heme allergy like creating Coloss, and it gives us sort of a grounding in, oh, that's how Chondra work. Yeah, true. Okay, well, I mean, Dave has put it together, and he did point out the whole through the heart thing, and that's basically what you need to do, or at least that's what they think. I'm pretty sure that's the case, because I think Seizet has talked about it in the uh, Error 2. Um, speaking of, real quick, Error 2, I have started rereading Alloy of Law. I'm like two-thirds of the way through it. And I'm, you know, paying more attention to, to things in the background, like the whole, the set, which is the, the group that um, Wax's uncle and sister are part of. And they're up to stuff that might have to do with autonomy, but it might not. We don't know because we need a fourth book. There's speculation there. But yeah, I'm paying attention to stuff like that. And of course, they do talk quite a bit more about compounding that's good and dave taking a stab at 
hey, wouldn't it be cool if <laughs> someone could ferrochemically store their weight in iron while at the same time steel pushing? It is so on point. That is so on point. And I wonder if that's the sort of thing that Brandon thought about, like, because clearly he didn't want another Mistborn as the as the hero. And sort of like, hey, these two combinations of powers would be pretty neat if you mix in Barukami and Alamancy. How about this combination? So that that's it's just funny that Dave thought about it and that is whack. That is his set of powers. But of course, Dave has no reason to think uh Farukami's gonna be like Alamancy in the future, and he'll find that out, of course, once we eventually get to Ur too. And there's no way that he can guess at Wayne because the time bubbles are entirely new. Yeah. I mean, he has gold. Gold healing. He can, uh, The Farukami side is gold, so he could guess at that, but like, why? I don't know. But right. we don't I've have got, the, the I've got an power. excellent quote from the chat right now. Dave yeah. is Chris confirmed asking the tough questions about being a steel iron twinborn. That's from Phil Knight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. Man, I need I need that Chris Naz short story novella whatever thing to happen you know, soon. We had to talk about Hoyt. Eventually we are gonna have to have a talk about Chris and not Naz. But that's more I don't know, after we read Secret History or something. I feel like we can do that basically whenever. We can, but it's it's more like when is this relevant? Like, because they're not all that spoilery. Like, like Chris, basically any time after Hero of Ages would be fine. Right, Chris is in Era 2. They, of course, pop up in Secret History. Um, Naz is, is, in, uh, is on Roshar for Words of Radiance. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we, we can just mention him. It, it's sort of like, when we have that discussion, whenever we decide to do it, it's sort of like incorporating the fact that there are people who are hopping between worlds. Like, we have World Hopper. This is a thing. And we very lightly hinted at it, but I'm not sure Dave cared or noticed. So, you know, at this point, it's like, it doesn't really matter. He's in the, he's, like you said, he's Nick Fury. He's, he's doing stuff, but it's not, it doesn't seem to be important to those. He, he's not having a, a big impact yet. I think the big deal is when we get to Stormlight Archives and say, hey, you know that Wick guy? Although I don't even think we need to point it out because he says his name is Hoyt at one point. Near the end of the book, and I think we should hold on to that unless yes. Dave figures it out. I doubt it. I mean, he might. It gives a really good description of him that is consistent with every other description that he's sure. given. Yeah. Okay, well, well, we'll have to find out when we get there. And that's actually going to be sooner than later because uh, we have, like, what? Warbra- we have Emperor Soul, Warbreaker, and then is it Way of Kings? Yeah. So it's it's common. Although I think Warbreaker comes before Emperor's Soul, I'd have to double check. Oh, either either way, we're doing those two, so it's going to happen soon, and we're, we're definitely going to have nice discussions on that thing because now we're talking more cosme- cosmere wide implications. With like oh, that. never mind. We're we're completely in the wrong order. Uh, so it's Hero of Ages, and then Warbreaker, and then Way of Kings, then Alloy of Law, then the Eleventh Metal, then Emperor's Soul. Uh, no, that's not published order. That's what I've got. Are we saving it for the Arcanum Unbounded? No, that's published order according to the list that I have. Okay, I mean, that's fine. Emperor's Soul can be whenever because it is a standalone, but I'm surprised. 
Yeah, I thought it was earlier also, but apparently not. Anyway, so yeah, about about what Dave... So yeah, Dave is on to Rowan, so that's good. Bonus points there. Um, looking at Hamillergy, and of course, we could probably have a discussion after... I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it to Dave before, but we talked about how the theme... Uh, well, not the theme, the mechanics of the book, where the first book dealt with Alamancy, second was Burgundy, and the third one is Hamillergy. Like, we can actually point that out to him after he's done Oh, I, I have theme stuff for our wrap-up episodes. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I've so been avoiding that. theme stuff so far because I, I want to do it for the full trilogy. But, uh, unfortunately, since you guys who are listening don't really get to see, unless you happen to join our Discord, uh, Dave has been going, like, all out about his theories, which are related to Ruin, and, like, you could see him figure things out, and it's pretty neat. As he's reading it, he's, like, posting in his theory channel, and he's just, he's basically on point. Now, yes. he does think, he, he, he's, he's thinking about Vin, he thinks, and he actually sort of mentioned it when he was talking about that Vin might also be under Ruin's control, but... And and I think he believes it's the earring. Like he he always paid attention to earrings. So I think he's onto that. But he doesn't know where it came from because he apparently forgot that Vin's mother killed Vin's sister to create the ear. So he forgot that. And he and he's like, is it spiked because of the Lord Ruler? And well, no, that's not the case. And he also thinks that the chapter epigraphs are from Vin's perspective. From when she was in the well of the, the well of ascension at the end of the last book, yeah, he's still he's still with that, and that's I think again the intention when it was first written. You still think, oh, this is probably Vin, but eventually it will call Vin out by name, and then you're like, wait, who who is this? I mean, I assumed that it was Vin from the end of this book. Yeah, when it's actually Sazed from the end of this book. I'm trying to look ahead real quick, but honestly, Sazed in the epigraphs, he's sort of talking about like hemallergy and stuff. So we get we actually get a lot of information from Sazed indirectly, dude. Oh man, Alloy of Law, like just the whole era too. I love the description. Like I love that technology has finally advanced. So we get the old West merged with with a fantasy. Mistborn series like that's awesome but I love the references that you have which is a great callback like it's not like it's just oh hey remember that character it's Vin is the ascendant warrior like things have changed slightly as they do over time as people took the words or the characters or whatever and sort of you know adopted them their use and I really love the little details like the sections of the city what they're called or the references to like Vin the different religions like, man, it's it's so good. Yeah, there, there's in the last epi, in the last um, what'd you say? The ad, last act. That's it. The last act. Finally, Vin is mentioned, but like that's also where in the Sanderson avalanche, so or the Sanders tsunami, as you call it. Um, I think the thing that I like best about Era Two, as opposed to Era One, is that there's. Mm, there's, like, a sense of fun. Yeah. Like, Era 1 is very dark and gloomy and not never completely hopeless, but often very lacking in hope. Where Era 2 never quite gets to a point where, oh yeah, the world's ending, there's a god emperor. Like, it well, never gets to that point. It's all 
much lower stakes, which then allows for characters like Wayne, who is just yeah, I was gonna say, amazing all the time. Is the interaction between Wax and Wayne. Like, they poke fun at each other. They, they're friends. They've been friends for a while. They've been working together for a while. And they can just do that sort of thing. And although you could, and you do have some of that in the background, in Era 1, Mistborn, it's like you said, there's, it's a very depressive atmosphere. Um, so it's sort of hard to do that sort of thing. And of course, Vin herself takes everything seriously. Yeah, I mean, so. you get you get a little bit of lightheartedness with, you know, Ham and right. everyone he interacts with, but mostly Breeze. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nowhere near as lighthearted. I guess as as in as era two is, and that's refreshing. Like that's that's a nice change of pace. Um, something else I want to point out that uh, uh, Quellion also has a spite, which is why he's sort of like nutso and has all these different edicts and things like that. Uh, he also has a spike. Like honestly, Ruin is controlling both sides of that whole thing happening there. Like he he's controlling Quellion, he's controlling Spook. No big deal. I mean, yeah, a lot of important characters get spiked, uh, but yeah. a lot of important characters don't, Enron. like Elland. He tries to spike Elland so many times, and it never works. Yeah. I don't think he was able to spike uh, Yeoman, either. Or, no, yeah, Yeoman noticed and then removed the spike right away. And I don't think it would have worked on him. He's he's way too analytical right? for, for like, an outside voice or, or even an illogical inside voice to, to really sway him. But Rowan himself talks about this. Like, it doesn't matter that he does isn't able to spike everyone. It's enough that he can just do things. I mean, he has some pretty important people under his thumb. Oh, and Fel Knight brings up a really good point. The uh, the ball scenes with Ellen and Vin are also among the more lighthearted scenes of this book, which is a nice reprieve from just the the darkness. Of... It, it was a little weird though, like because you know we have things are ha- like okay cataclysm like it's happening and here let's throw in a ball like it is a little weird and i personally didn't really care for those scenes in the book and we'll talk about it more as we actually get to those chapters but yeah i think that's going to be next time which you're not going to be there for um so chapter 73 the epigraph actually mentions vin indirectly it says like talking about seekers and how you can power up bronze there is at least one other case of a person who could pierce copper clouds. In her case, however, the situation was slightly different. Like, you know they're talking about Vin, but they don't use her name. So it's like, maybe that's Vin talking about someone else, but it'd be weird. That's still like three quarters of the way through the book. Oh, yeah. This is like, it's like less than 10 chapters from the end. That is when it's like, wait, this isn't Vin. Who is it? It'll be fun. Unless, unless Dave knows this sooner. Oh, um, I just want to give a heads up to folks. Uh, Dave will be reading the last 50 pages of the book, roughly, uh, on stream, on his stream at Twitch, that is twitch.tv slash crossproduct. Um, whenever he gets to that, I will post announcements about it in the Discord when, when that happens. I have no idea if this episode's going to be released in time for this to get out to the wider audience, but... Definitely a good reason to join the Discord, um, because I want to see his reactions as he's reading them. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Because the end of this book is... Man. 
it's so it's so satisfying. It's not a happy ending per se, but it's a really, really, really satisfying one. Yep, that'll be good. So I think that's all we've got for this week. Sure. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at @CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.